Welcome to Church Unboxed, where we tackle the topics that most Christians are sometimes too scared to talk about. Each week, together with guests, I'll be uncovering issues that have been swept under the rug and listening to people who not only have inspiring stories, but in many cases are the voice of the voiceless. I'm your host, Sarah Tabo, worship leader, singer and songwriter. Welcome this week's guest, Tracy Jane Campbell. Tracy Jane Campbell is a professional vocalist, international recording artist and writer who, having been in the music industry for over 15 years, has appeared on many prestigious platforms across the world, from opening the World Expo in China with Secret Garden to performing for two consecutive popes at the Vatican and in the UK. Tracy is also a member of the Kingdom Choir, with whom she performed at the wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan. A graduate of Spurgeon's College, where she gained her bachelor's in theology and pastoral studies, Tracy is regularly invited to speak and sing to women at conferences and workshops across the UK and Europe, crossing denominational divides. Her early experiences of child abuse and domestic violence prompted a journey of personal study and reflection of her own thought and behaviour and how these were impacted and shaped by these traumas and the road to healing and freedom. This has no doubt led to the founding of the Outlet House Safe Space for Women, an intimate ministry operating in homes and via small group retreats that seek to see women healed and restored in the love of Christ. Tracy is a parent and a grandparent and she's passionate and intrigued by people, their thought process and how these influence their behavior. That is a wonderful resume you have there, Tracy. Thanks for coming on Church and Box. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I always yeah. listen to when people write my, read my bag and think, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, yeah. me. <laughs> oh, thanks. Indeed. Yeah, yes. it's a pleasure, and, a real pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. And um, we're going to be talking about the big D divorce Mm -hmm. the church and the christian community and what the response and almost the responsibility you know of the church has Mm -hmm. been over the decades and probably centuries even but before we go into that i want Mm -hmm. to yeah maybe just put you through a mini uh icebreaker don't worry it's not going to be anything too complex um but yeah so i just want our listeners to know a bit more about Tracy Jane Campbell, apart from all these great yeah. accolades you have. So what is your favorite holiday destination and why? <laughs> That's quite difficult. No way. Um yeah, because I like different places for different reasons. Nice. Um, and um honestly, most of the traveling I've done, a lot of it has been for work and um and I take leisure times in there. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy Switzerland immensely. Hmm. It's beautiful, um, but you know, it's you know, you think about snow and cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I like heat. Yeah. So, um, so for that, I like Switzerland because of the mountains, because of that kind of beauty. Hmm. And um, there are there are places I enjoyed holiday destination. I actually really enjoyed Ibiza. All right, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, Ibiza is actually quite because when people think of Ibiza, they think of um, the clubs Rave. and raving, yeah, but actually yeah. that's only one side. 
And okay. it's actually got a really chilled side, beautiful beaches, really chilled out. There is music everywhere, but it's not all the clubby thing. That's not what the, the whole of the island is about. Fair enough. Um, and I love Jamaica. I haven't been for many years, but um, I do love Jamaica and plan to go back at some point. Yeah, that's a really yeah, good so, because it shows different sides and, you know, the very tranquil yeah. side in Switzerland and the very, you know, almost hip side in Ibiza and Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, that's a difficult yeah. one for me, actually. Yeah, no. Yeah. But yeah, I think with most people, you, as you say, you like different places for different reasons. So, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, that's really good. Um, now, talking about divorce, um, I've mm. been in church for many, many years since I was about 10. And in all my years, it's one of the least I've found personally, one of the least addressed yet most controversial and life impacting topics in the church. Mm. Um, and I know we're going to talk a lot about this in today's discussion, but given your story and your background, um, it'll be interesting to know a bit more about your personal journey as a Christian through marriage and probably just briefly about your relationship and ultimate separation, if that's OK to share with the, with our listeners. Yeah, today. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I got divorced. Um, I got married very young, actually, before I, I, I became um, a Christian. Mm. And uh, so my experience of my marriage was um, quite traumatic you know, um, there was physical, but mostly psychological abuse. And, um, you know, so I kind of delved into church life. Everything was church, you know, the kids were with me and I, and I practically, um, that was my social life, everything. And when it, anything going on in my home, I shared with nobody, which is not rare when women are experiencing negative things, but I found more so I didn't feel free to because when you came to church and looked at church, you, you would never, you never imagined that those things went on anywhere else because mm. it was um, from leadership to, to everyone, you know, everyone thought my family was a Brady bunch, you know, <laughs> you know, 2.4 kids and, you know, a couple and all that kind of thing. And so you are almost, um, taught hmm. whether that be directly or you know subconsciously to mask right to 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 present a lie hmm. um because the, the there doesn't seem to be or that for me it wasn't obvious that i could hmm. speak about these things and, and and along with abuse comes a lot of shame and yeah embarrassment and all that kind of stuff um, so by the time I got to the place where I was done, hmm. I was done, you know what I mean? So, um, and for me, actually what happened was, uh, my ex-partner went and had a meeting with a pastor. I won't mention any names and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, after me trying to do that whole counselling thing, because but counselling was off the table. Another thing that we were discouraged from doing when I, this is 20 years ago now, wow. it, it, counselling was not, unless it was, and I'm not talking about going to the pastor's office, I'm talking about counselling. Yeah, single you know, professional. That was, yeah, that was, dis, that was discouraged. Um, you know, psychology and all that thing was discouraged and still is in, in many, many circles, a kind of way. And there's a, there was a, even more intense kind of anti 
let me be, I don't know how I word this, but it seemed to be anti-intellectual thought. Mm. Everything that was too intellectual somehow diminished the scriptures. You know, that's what was taught subconsciously, you know. So by the time they had with a male pastor, they meet and I got a call saying, come in, I've got your wonderful husband here. So they'd have their discussion and then called me in. Um, By that time they finished and I wasn't going to go anywhere, but I said, okay, I went in. And what proceeded to happen was two men deciding that we just need to placate this young lady and, you know, they've decided and let's just pray. And and, uh, prayer was, that's it, we're just going to pray and blah, blah, blah. And I had an outburst and I was like, did he tell you about this? Did he tell you about this? What about this? Did he mention that at all? But it was almost as if my addition was secondary. That didn't end well. Mm. Um, and and then it was kind of over. Um, and I took a couple of years to actually do the process mm. because in that time I was praying and, you know, saying, well, maybe it can do something. Mm. But uh, uh, the Lord works with people and through people. So, you know, we're not autonomous uh, or automatons that he's going to just move around like yeah, this, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it was it was quite a horrible experience for me because I didn't feel heard. Mm. I felt like the men had got together and made the decision. That is a big issue. Mm, mm. Um, and yeah, it was just not talked about after that. You know, I, I was left to deal with it on my own. There was no offer of um, subsequent counsel because even when a marriage is bad and damaging psychologically, physically, whatever. It's still not, it's still devastating for it to come to an end. This is, it's not, um, you know, it's not like, okay, you're skipping off into the daisies. No, you still have to. I went through that myself, me and the Holy Spirit and books Hmm. and went through the fact that yes, there is a grief process to happen. Even if you are part of you is, is relieved and at peace. Hmm. You know, because it's like the Holy Spirit said to me, it's okay, all right, okay, okay now. Okay, you know. Um, and you, you had to walk through the grief process, the, you know, the the healing of that, the dealing with the broken family, the children, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. That still happens even if you leave a devastating situation. Yeah. And there was no uh, help for that. And what I found out afterwards, which was quite, it's amusing now to me, um, is that, when that all happened, uh, a little, one of the little sisters from one of my uh, earlier churches, she came and she said to me, Sister Tracy, I was praying for you. So she essentially said she saw, she suspected and said nothing. She was praying for me. Oh. And I'm grateful that she was praying for me. However, I might have liked her to tell me at the time, yeah <laughs> i saw this i see this now I, I do recognize the difficulty because in a lot of situations if someone comes they will a lot of people will tell them to mind their own business or yeah yeah you know but this is the risk you take it, for me this is the risk you take with care you go and you just mm. say what the lord has shown you and speak if the person doesn't want to receive it then you have done, done bit, yeah you've done your bit you know even though it might be hurtful and i thought i really did appreciate the prayers but i didn't know anybody saw me and it would have helped you to come and tell me that yeah you know and it's, it's, it was it's all very secret hush hush and and it's not help helpful in any way so yeah 
for me, I, that really caused me to think a lot. And then when you read and you actually see the statistics, the statistics of divorce in the church is no different from everywhere else. No, it isn't because it's people. So this is this is what we have to actually face, whether we want to. Uh, it's not our ideal. You don't get married with that in mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we do have to actually face the thing as it is. And if that is happening, that means a lot of people are sitting in our in the pews and our congregations struggling. Absolutely. The same is true of abuse in marriage. The numbers don't differ, hmm. which also is scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so come to you know, that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was my kind of experience of that, which was mm. I didn't. See how damaging it was Honestly Till I looked It was in retrospect Really mm, I think Because mm, mm. at the time You're just dealing with You're not really Reflecting Yeah And was it the Pastor's Advice That you separate Or Was he just saying no, there was, pray for you no, So you stay in the marriage the, Yeah Basically right. In the nutshell In a nutshell It was We're going to see How we can pray So we can stay um, Stay together But there was <clears throat> If I can put it, this is this is how it felt. It felt like whatever discussion they'd had prior to my turning up, I was more viewed as the, an, the hysterical woman or the woman that was maybe a bit, just a bit overwrought, you know, okay. <laughs> and, you know, kind of thing. It wasn't, there, there was no dealing with everybody's actions yeah. and, and i believe in taking responsibility for both of the you know choices that you make mm. decisions you you make in in the midst of even when somebody else is doing wrong how you yeah. deal with that and all of that but there was no conversation about that it was more about let's let's just get this thing back together mm. you know it wasn't yeah it was ugh. yeah it was grim i can imagine <laughs> and, and obviously i know it's been decades ago but it does highlight the gap if you like the knowledge gap and expertise gap that we sometimes don't admit um yes our spiritual leaders because they may be good at preaching a sermon but they may not necessarily be relationship experts and so they may yeah. not necessarily be the right person to take your relationship woes to and i would imagine back then they were probably the only option anyway so it was like who yeah else unless you, you have yeah. yeah unless you have close relationships i built yeah. lots of close relationships subsequently uh, with yeah. with it's supposed to be actually as brothers and sisters we're supposed to be able to do that but i find mm. you know you you have to build often my relationships weren't even in the same congregation that i was a part of mm. Mm. um they were outside in different congregations that i met in different spheres of life mm. um that were believers um and i think it doesn't have to be beyond a, um a spiritual leader i think there's a, a, a very big difference between a preacher and a pastor. Oh, Just because yes. someone's a preacher doesn't mean they're a pastor. Absolutely. And a lot of things are people are in pastoral positions that are preachers. They're not pastors, though. Yeah. yeah but yeah. they're preachers. Yeah. You know, and so that part, you can you can study as, as anyone can. You can access to resources abound, you know, but um, if, if you don't have the mind towards that direction then you're not you're not gonna look yeah. you know so uh, i think yeah. yeah and it's about really caring as well because that's what pastoring really means i mean jesus literally said yeah. to peter if you love me care for my sheep yeah shepherd it's all about the yeah shepherd. you're, you're shepherding and caring and being really concerned yeah. about the welfare yeah. you know of all parties concerned and i think maybe it begs the question in 
the I don't I don't know if it, I would imagine it's still the case today, but I would imagine it was probably worse back then that the church failed marriages, and I would probably even go as far as to say failed women in relationships. Failed women in particular. In particular, would you agree to that to that position? I do agree to that. I mean, I know there are there are a percentage of men that um, do experience domestic violence, so I don't want to downplay that because that is mm-hmm. a case, the case as well. But women in particular, I, th- I feel like they have been failed on many mm. occasions because um, the patriarchal voice is very strong. Men are more listened to, more believed. Mm. Um, and again, it, it, is on pa- it is on par with the world at large. Yeah. You know, and this is this is the thing. We like to believe it's not, but that's not true. It's on par with the world at large. Women are listened to less. They're taken less seriously often. Mm. Um, if they are to hold positions of uh, some authority, then they felt the need, uh, maybe that's lessening now, to be yeah. kind of quite quite masculine, quite to, to show that they are strong enough yeah. in their demeanour. Mm. Um, and it, uh, it's quite a, a minefield. And I think they have been failed in that. Mm. Um, they, I mean, uh, way back, they didn't have any weight in that sense because if they were married they didn't have any financial weight they they couldn't get out you know they were reliant you know on the on the man to stay at home and and to provide and all of that stuff Mm. um yeah and i think i definitely think it has um improved Mm. but i think there's much more improvement to be had um in that regard yeah 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 definitely. definitely And I, I know, I mean, I've been in church, you know, as I said earlier, for a while, yeah. for the best part of my life. And I know that there is a huge stigma attached to divorce when people oh my gosh. get separated. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a case where they just can't be in the same church with the person, with the, with the ex anyway. So yeah. they leave or it's people talking behind their backs, having all sorts of, you know, um, theories yeah. as to why they're separated, having their own picking sides and all of that. Yeah. Do you experience, yeah. you know, I mean, I think it's also well, a culture thing as well, especially, I mean, it may, uh, it could be a, a black church thing. It could be anywhere, but. No, it's, it's, a, it's anywhere. A, it's, it's everywhere. Exactly. It's everywhere. Yeah. I, I left, I changed church. Um, I had a real hard time. I stayed within the, organization but i changed Mm -hmm. church um because it was just long it was just like you know what i'm I'm not going to be here and have him here and have whatever i didn't know what was going on i didn't feel like um there were some instances i felt like there was talking about whatever at that time i was kind of like i just don't care Mm -hmm. at this point i have to look back myself and my own healing but i think that I have a, a a young lady that um, I know a young lady that I work with and she went through divorce. She lost all her friends. Um, and uh, the church for this is a, this is a good example. And it wasn't a black church. Um, she was told she had to step down from her duties in church and he continued. Oh my goodness. You know, he continued. Um, he's a very good sociopath really good one there are a lot of those by the way the percentages are quite high and uh so everyone thought he's wonderful he's wonderful and the the you build friendships as a, a married unit and the friendship they pick you know yeah. so um it's very very difficult to to do that so you can lose 
whole friendship groups. You can, mm. you know, I wasn't, I was in a position where I lost some, but because I had my own friends during the marriage, I, I separated from loads of my friends mm. because of the nature of my marriage. And then I kind of re reattached and they reconnected and they all understood. Thankfully they were saying at the time they were all worried and, I changed and they, they knew what something wasn't right, that they were there kind of in the background waiting for me kind of thing, which was really, really special and really necessary. Mm. But you can get cut off from church family and, and, and friends and stuff because of that, that yeah. split. And they can pick sides. Yeah, they can. I mean, it's interesting because as you were saying that I was actually just reflecting on a friend of mine who also um, just before COVID was going through a very, very ugly divorce. Um, her husband was financially and emotionally abusing her. But then I didn't really know her husband per se. So all mm. I knew was her side of the story and I could be guilty, therefore, of picking sides. So how yeah. do you respond to that kind of situation where people probably just only know one person's story? Obviously, it's wrong to pick sides. But what, how do you kind yeah. of address that? Because that may be all people know to do is to support the party they know better, if you like. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know any of them well, my thing is, um, if, the, if they're both still around and mm. um, you don't know any of them well, then you can still be pleasant and cordial with both mm. um, because you don't know the intimacy of the situation and so you don't want to do that but if you have a friend that they're your, they're your particular friend mm. then it makes sense that you continue to be friends with that yeah, person yeah. and if you were with both then I still think you don't have to make the other person your enemy right you might not hang out with them I, I have examples of that where I speak to both parties mm. um one more so than the other and over the years that kind of changes but i made a decision a conscious one mm -hmm. to say i was i'm friends with both of you mm -hmm. and regardless of the ins and outs and i might even disagree with one's actions or, or whatever yeah. but um you can still speak to people you can still be respectful and friendly but you choose the depth of relationship you have with yeah. people. And I, we, we make those decisions all the time. And um, so I think it's it's not for us to to cut people off, so to speak. Yeah. yeah or or yeah, pick. Yeah. Oh, if I, and, and if one of my friends felt like, well, if you speak to me, you can't speak to him. Or if you speak to him, you can't speak to her kind of thing. If they felt like that, I would I would have to say to them, like, I can't do that for you. Yeah. It would if I was on the same if we had the same level of friendship, mm. I'd have to say, I can't do that. Um, but what we will, will do is I won't speak about them when I'm with you and I won't speak about you when I'm with them. Fair enough. Um, and we'll, mm. that's a separate relationship. It's quite, it's tricky, but it can be done. Yeah, that's wisdom. It can yeah. be done. Yeah, that's wisdom. It, can be, it just takes wisdom. We're not going to get into it. Unless I'm sitting down with both of you and, we're, and, and I'm mediating or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you can they can speak to me about their particular feelings or whatever. Mm. And I can you can give someone your valid opinion, but you don't have to bring the other person's business into the frame. Correct. That can be done, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you just have to take time and use wisdom to do it um, mm. and do it with love. Um, I think if you're friends with only one person and you don't really know the other one, then yeah, it's, not, fair enough. Yeah. it's not, a, it's not a big deal. It's fair enough. I'm keeping me friend. 
you know. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. The they, need, yeah. they need the support. It's, it was really Yeah, important. absolutely. Because it was also not just the emotional, but the financial. I had no idea yeah. how expensive oh, yeah. divorces were and still are, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, but speaking of yeah. divorce, because obviously going back to the scenario that you painted very um, intricately about the men t- gathering together and deciding your fate, if you like, um, the pastor clearly didn't support the idea of divorce and no. you know it's always been said and still is being said in the church in certain you know um parties that divorce is only accepted in the instance of infidelity and faithfulness of a, of a partner um and therefore if anything else is happening you should endure and this is sometimes the argument that people put forward even when there's some very life-threatening abuse going on yeah. you know what what is yeah. your response to that because i feel like that's something that we need to address because for some reason it's given people license to do all sorts and not it's allow people <laughs> get free from the bondage that they're yeah. in I mean, this is a very old argument, isn't it? Um, mm. And yes, there are some very specific texts that tell us, you know, that we can say, you know, well, it's only legal if there's um, uh, there's uh, 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 infidelity or or whatever. And you go back historically, what there's infidelity is very obvious and what that that entails. But there was a whole thing in ancient times about putting away somebody for various reasons, for any reason, Mm. um, and papers. And if you, when you read a lot of scholars, um, Jewish scholars, and how they talk about divorce, it's interesting in Judaism, they don't hold that, hold to that thing that you can divorce. Um, um, And there's different streams of thought. And so my thing is, okay, I ideally... Yes, this divorce is not something because I think because you've been divorced, people think you just co-sign like you you don't think anything of it. And, and not mm-hmm. at all, actually. It's a very, very deep thing. But I do not think it's, it's unforgivable. I do not think the Lord doesn't forgive and doesn't restore and doesn't heal. And, and this is the point. Where are we at in terms of the gospel, in terms of um what how we uh, how we um what's the word i'm interpret um mm. the gospel of grace that we've been given do we kind of try and tangle it in with uh some of the stuff before the resurrection and try and tie it all in together and some law some grace kind of mingle it up the soup mm. or do we say well yes these things of course ideally but what for me you can talk about adultery. If someone is beating up their wife and abusing them and doing all kinds of things, is that not covenant not broken? Mm. Because the covenant you made was, did not entail those things. Yes. And whilst I believe that there should be prayer, there should be counselling, there should be enduring and looking about everybody's psychological place, can it be? Can there be restoration? I believe in trying everything you can. Mm. I do believe that. But the, the flip side to that is, when you got married, <clears throat> I wonder what circumstances did you get married? <laughs> you know, under what circumstances mm. did you get married? You know, what were the reasonings behind it? Did you get married? And this is a big, did you get married so you could have sex? Mm. And, you know, I know uh, there's less layers. People are just doing what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, I suppose people would think that, oh, no, you don't, people don't do that anymore. They just, but they do. Do they do you make an environment where people can just live a bit and uh, 
date and do th- without thinking uh, well if I've been dating for three months and I've got to get married or you know there's there's so many layers um, and for me there is an abundance of grace and there's ways of interpreting scripture that you don't condemn people and hang people mm. um, because as far as I see there's only one one sin that's unforgivable that we got there so um, uh, I don't think we should take divorce lightly and do it willy-nilly mm. not mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. but I don't believe that it is does it even yeah i don't even believe that it reflects christ for you to say that a woman should stay or a man should stay under any circumstance that doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. and um and it doesn't make any it's not tied into any any, really any spiritual religious line from where we come from hebraic or whatever it doesn't it doesn't connect or tie up into that. It's very strict. There are, but there are circumstances and it depends how you view abuse. Yeah. It depends if you carry that whole patriarchal kind of view that it doesn't matter what a man does to his wife. You know, she belongs to him. She's his property. If a woman is a property, if the abuse partner, let's say women, because that's the majority anyway, is the property of the person as in old time, um, and not seen as a an individual human being outside of that partner, that husband, then yeah, you can do what you like to property. And they have no say, they have no no uh, no autonomy. Mm. But I don't think that is the mind of Christ. Oh, yeah. um, I don't think that is uh, grace or love. And I believe you've broken the covenant and the minute you start beating your wife anyway. Because mm-hmm. you if you if you want to go to that place, you 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 said you'd love love her as you love the church exactly and gave your life for her so beating her up and uh, refusing her money and and psychological again i think psychological abuse is downplayed and seen as not important because they're asking you for you know if you if you've not got a, a black eye and a fat lip it it's seen as some less and i can tell you oftentimes actually the, the most damaging because a lot of actually that's a good thing yeah it's a good thing you raised that because i was actually going to ask about that next which is what are the signs of psychological abuse because it's not obvious as you say you don't have a black eye you don't have you know broken bones you're not calling you know the ambulance but how do people actually know that they're being psychologically abused and it's not just a joke or you know people just you know yeah basically how do people know if they're being psychologically abused i mean the the thing i mean we hear this word gaslighting a lot now it's a very uh, common, you know, more commonly used phrase, but it's really real. Mm. You know, that kind of um, every time if you bring something up in your relationship and the response is, um, no, I didn't. Basically, any argument to say, no, I didn't do that. You imagined it. You're imagining it. That's not how I said it. This is what I meant. And you imagine that I said it that way. Everything you say, if you're belittled, mm-hmm. your opinion is belittled or laughed at you are not deemed as all right you have no control over your own finances you are made to feel afraid to be out late a lot of when you see a lot of women they they will be very happy you know they've got the smile and they've got all of that but then you're not coming to the, you're not going to their house oh, under certain circumstances you get to go to their house they are intimidated by their partner they don't they're quite they don't talk in certain circumstances you will never see them have a a, a a disagreement they won't disagree with their partner in public a lot of this very hard to see because 
you you cultivate the gift of acting. Mm. You learn how to act. But when you talk to a couple, you can you can see uh, um, that that woman gets quite small hmm. in in terms of that part. Not when she's alone. There's a there's a freedom when she's alone. But when they're together, hmm. her whole demeanor changes. Hmm. How she is changes. You can see there can be a look from the you know like when parents look, have a look no, they give yeah. their kids. Yeah, yeah. Often abusive husbands have a look. And they give their partner and that part, that woman will know she'll be fretting for the rest of the evening. Cause when she goes home, if she's going out, if she's going out shopping, that, if you're asked at the beginning, this is a good example. If you're at the beginning of my relationship, I thought that person wanted to be with me all the time. That person wanted to know what I was doing every minute of the day. That person, you know, wanted to be constant contact with me. I thought it, you don't think about it. You just, you, like you're in sweet, that kind of yeah. throes of, yeah, it's sweet. And it's they're just concerned about you and they want to be in contact all the time. There's a lot of things that can be seen in two ways mm. and you don't see that it's control. Mm. So that whole thing of how long you, you know, where you go, you go into your family or your mum's house and they're phoning you every half an hour saying where you know where are you i'm at my mum's you know i'm at my mum's <laughs> you know what you're doing yeah. oh, you know boy. that kind of thing or if you said you're going to be in at five your every minute of your day needs to be accounted for so what happened between that half an hour what was happening from six to six thirty those kind of things someone wanting to be in that much uh, control or inf having that much information about your day, mm. your time, the locking off of your friends, which doesn't happen by them saying you're not allowed to see that friend. That's not how it happens. That's too. That's too obvious because there's there's obviously going to be pushback from that. But it's yeah. more like I want you to be with me all the time. You know, it's more like if you make an arrangement. Oh, I was planning to do this with you. Till you find yourself just missing out on things with your friends or, you know, your, your lesser communication with friends and family, actually you become mm. more and more isolated. The more isolated you're finding yourself, um, even if there's been uh, no physical stuff, yeah, yeah. if you find yourself more and more isolated, if you find you have to give an account for every moment of your day, if you find that you, you feel uh, anxious hmm. to, to go into your home, if you feel us treading on, eggshells because you know potential outbursts um mm. and the outburst or or potential just stinking up the atmosphere just there's an atmosphere that comes mm. um and you f and it often gradually builds there are different so many different scenarios but mm. it's often it's a gradual build-up and, and i mean i wasn't even my the first physical thing happened before we were even married Oh my goodness. We were engaged and there was a big, the big crying and gifts and this and that and the sorry and the whatnot and blah, blah. Okay. You know, often there is deep insecurity in that party. Mm. Um, so there are lots of things to look out for, but that over obsessiveness with being with you every minute of every day mm. and knowing everything. Um, and unfortunately, in the throes of romance, <laughs> in the beginning, you both want to be in that place. Yeah. You both are, you know, in that place. And so 
it can be misconstrued and you don't find the depth of it till after mm. you're married and, mm. you know, together. So yeah. there are lots of telltale signs. Just ask people how they're doing. Look into their eye and ask them how they are. You good? Mm. And for, for, for believers that believe in, in the gifts and believe that the Holy Spirit does speak to us, mm. you know, pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, really pay attention because the statistics are such that it is very likely that you are encountering somebody that's going through that. It's very likely. Yes, and you probably just don't you know? know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very likely. So, you know, just, just being mindfully, I mean, not reading into situations because mm. some people can have a rough time and be fine. They have a rough mm. time, time in their marriage, go through a blip and they go to counselling or they or they work it through. That happens, you know. But, yeah, you have to be really watchful. I was everywhere. I think I was always alone with my children, apart from at church, uh, you know, and a few things, and, and at home, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, paying just paying attention to unspoken things but it is mm. difficult it's honestly there's no it is isn't it there is a list there are many things online to see for yeah. signs but yeah, it, yeah. it's a minefield honestly it's very I can difficult. imagine because it could literally just be a case where you have a normal argument do you then assume that yeah. oh my argument is this person's a sociopath or a psychopath yeah. because you would have yeah. arguments in relationships it's just part of the package isn't it Yeah. it's about knowing yeah. where it's excessive or where it's abnormal I guess or aggressive I yeah, guess that's probably where you start. Yeah, I mean, any sign of aggression, you've got to seek help mm-hmm. because um, that doesn't mean the marriage is going to end. But I mm-hmm. think if a partner doesn't know how to express themselves outside of shouting, that whole screaming and shouting, we've been somehow, um, not somehow, in you know, media and things we see, uh, yeah. you know, people even say, oh, if you don't have big arguments then somebody's not being I'm like that's nonsense you I've don't have to scream and shout at each other yeah yeah you know, just think, what are we talking about when does it become that it has to be normal to have a big big slanging match and screaming mm. and shouting at each other mm. to be a healthy relationship no you can be angry at each other you can disagree um and and argue when i say argue i mean um this discuss and disagree when I say mm-hmm. have an argument mm-hmm. um, and maybe someone will raise their voice a bit sometimes because we're human but the minute it starts to get um, that's the thing the big shouting matches and it's been abusive in language and the yes, name exactly. calling yeah then you have to say you know what let's we need to sit down with somebody because mm. we need to work out sometimes we've gone through traumas and they might have to that they need to work through and you should give mm. we should give each other space space for that because sometimes things that we've we, we've carried into the marriage yeah. from our own experiences start yeah. to to kind of bleed out mm. and if we're honest about that we can go and seek help together that, that's definitely something we should give room for and I, so I think pre-marriage counseling is important yeah it really is just uh and when I say you know whether that be in a a formal counsellor setting or if the, some churches have good uh, uh, qualified and ma- marriage counsellors this is not you asking permission if you can marry this person because I think the church overstepped the mark with that one um, no you're not supposed <laughs> to be telling you I can marry yeah. God give that to me you know what I mean but um, yeah, oh but, but making a healthy space so that we can 
really talk about the nitty gritty proper mm. things of marriage, not flouncy rubbish. There's going to be there's deep proper things, you know, yeah, that we that yeah. we need to see that that might create might present an issue or are there is there stuff I have to do with myself that there's individual counselling and then there's a together counselling because mm. you can't you can't counsel me. I'm yeah. not, I can't counsel my partner. I can give them advice. I can yeah. encourage them. I can do that, but I can't be there. I shouldn't be their pastor. Yeah. 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 In that sense. And I think it's really good. You've mentioned the, the topic of a marriage counselor, because I was going to kind of reference that as well. Having that at the start, i.e. before getting married, but also through the marriage. Cause I think somehow when we have yeah. the marriage counseling at the, uh, at the start, we think that's the end. There's no need to marry, <laughs> seeing a marriage counselor. Yeah. We've done it now. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, when the topic of a marriage counselor comes up during marriage, it seems like um, a bad, a dirty word. It's like, no, we did it before we got married. So why can't we do it yeah. now that we're married? Yeah. It feels like, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be anything wrong yeah it shouldn't be a stigma to that and i think um churches should as you i don't i think you mentioned it just now but i think churches should really have a dedicated person either a christian in the church is qualified or somebody who has you know expertise and can also ref kind of refer people to qualified marriage counselors yeah absolutely you know they're handing people over yeah because if if people had you know um major health challenges and we finish praying for them we probably still tell them go see a doctor right yeah so yeah. you don't, you don't yeah. want to take the liability of them falling you know collapsing during <laughs> service right you do want to make sure that they're fully checked out health-wise <laughs> so likewise when it comes to marriage you know mental well-being and things like that we should yeah. in addition to praying my, my personal view obviously is in addition yeah. to praying we should also hand them over to a professional in faith and there are many christians who you know kind of operate in those spheres who are able to balance the scientific with the scripture so i I genuinely think that's probably something the church should be open to because as you said rightly the statistics for divorce in church is mirroring exactly what you see outside of church so if anything i think we have a bigger responsibility to be aware of this fact and to address it i think proactively and to address it and and i don't think we're doing enough i don't know if you agree i don't know that the church yeah i I don't know because i think one of the things i uh, obviously a lot of the stuff we see um a lot of the statistics even and the stuff we see there's a lot of stuff also we get a lot from america right Mm. and if you see just pay attention to church culture and the things that um christians say and i'm talking about like just not particular across the denominations whatever yeah yeah a lot of the things they say in response to a lot of cultural stuff you just think this is not this is not helpful what on earth is going on you know and one of the things i found which which kind of ties into my spiritual journey mm. is i grew up in a family that uh, i grew up in a bookish family but they they, ha- they respect intellect they respect mm. the thing that god gave us and so i i grew up with the thing that you read all kinds of things you you know mm. and i found that what happened to me again i'm being specific about my experience is that mm. i felt like that i that was my my investigative natural critical thinking mind mm. was undermined was discouraged mm. it was discouraged so you were encouraged to read the bible and and commentaries you know you would just that was you you encouraged and studied in that area and you know if you're a doctor or, uh, you know, the specific 
professions, but professions that was okay. But certain other areas, you weren't critical thinking was not really encourage you know <laughs> you know so it's kind and of critical like, thinking is actually scriptural if you read the, you know, the first proverbs talking about the the wise woman the virtuous woman her husband sits at the gates debating with other men that is critical thinking that is actually yeah, part of course of the Jewish it is culture, critical thinking yeah and that's how yeah. universities were founded you know it was all about critical thinking critical thinking and you know in in that time of of the world's existence it was in some parts of the world it was men that were encouraged to do that you know yeah, but yeah. <laughs> in our new dispensation we are as priests and kings as all god's children and sheep and mm. whatever you want to call them call us are all encouraged to do that we have a mind we have been given a mind of god and we have to think critically yes. the bible is prescriptive and descriptive not mm. everything is prescriptive Mm. Just because it's in there doesn't mean go do likewise, mm. you know. And and I think um, that was kind of undermined for me. It was kind of like if it was, there, there seemed to be this overarching fear of this things that's going to undermine your faith. But mm. for me, you can't disprove God and you can't undermine my faith. He's way bigger than that. Mm. Way, way, way bigger. And so... The, the looking at things, looking, studying, how do we function? He's made us a certain way. And it's amazing to me that we can, human beings can do such research to, to, to discover stuff about how our, how our brains work, mm. how our minds function, how that affects our body. And, you know, again, when you can relate scripture to that, it's just not in a, that broken down fashion, but it points mm. to Mm. It points to how powerful our mind is yeah, and, yeah. and how our heart and our minds really run our life. You know, even our stomach, our gut, you know, even talks about that, you know. So it's yeah. really, for me, it's amazing all the time. I'm always thinking, oh, you know, God, know it already. Look at this. We're just now bringing out the wonderfulness of what God says in, in such, in those little small ways. But now yeah. we, he's given us the ability to, to delve in and, and get more knowledge about mm. those things. So I think with any re relationships are, well, they're a whole life, whatever relationship they are, friendships, yes. family, whatever. So I think you don't have to, you can have someone you sit down with every month as a married couple yes. when everything is wonderful. It doesn't have to be anything wrong. Yes. Yes. It can just be that we have this space mm. where somebody's to mediate and we make sure we, everything gets kind of aired out mm. so that before before there is a, an issue or if something kind of sticks out we don't kind of think oh it's all right it will work itself out because i think that's what i spent a lot of time doing it i'll pray and it will work it will work itself out but there has to be two of us involved in that working out and we have a responsibility as individuals mm. to find out what we're bringing to the, to any table. Yeah, yeah. You know, to find out what what's what parts, what are the the wounded parts of me, the broken parts of me, what experience have I had that make me have this perception? And so, mm. when you react like that, that triggers this in me yeah. from this. Yes, and that is an ongoing work and i think for a lot of people that sounds like a lot but it just yeah. has to be a little thing at a time you know mm. being more knowledgeable about yourself yes just makes you a better person in any relationship
I totally agree. Totally agree. Two things you've said there that I think I can also see in my own personal life. One being having a an accountability partner, if you like, for a relationship. When my husband and I newly got married, we had a couple that we were yeah. regularly, you know, talking to in the good times and yeah. also in the bad. More so kind yeah. of moaning to them about stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my yeah. goodness, he's done this. But at least we had them. And because they were seasoned in their own marriages, they knew to obviously advise and give, give us tips on how to, to fix, you know, what we were going through. But yeah. also what I discovered is that marriage makes you discover yourself because the way that you oh, respond yes. to certain situations that you never got exposed to before until marriage makes you wonder why did I do that why am I this way and you need to be true to yourself and try and discover why you act a certain way it might be something you've experienced in your childhood it might be something to do with your upbringing you know with the culture because you could you could you could be married to somebody of a different culture than yourself and you could say things that could be construed as an insult but from your background it probably isn't and then you begin to say actually I probably didn't mean it that way, but I was probably wrong. And so our cultures are different and I need to address this. So I think self-discovery is also part of, you yeah. know, the, the marriage journey and being able to yeah. learn about each other and grow together and hopefully grow in union. Yeah, and, definitely. And, and reduce, the, the, you know, the, the negative statistics that we see of divorce, because I think it would be great if we see a change in things. But we need yeah. to be intentional about addressing yeah. Um, and nurturing healthy relationships in the church yeah, so i know we've, we've talked about so many different things and i'm really trusting that people listening would be picking up all the nuggets that are being tactfully dropped in yeah. this conversation but before we wrap up one thing i'd like to ask um, a lot of people who get divorced may not be terribly keen on remarrying i've seen some who've remarried the very same person they um, yeah. divorced from and i've seen some who just couldn't be bothered and i've seen others who remarried what are your thoughts on starting again particularly for somebody who may be listening and going i don't even know what i want to do now you know what, what are your what's your position on that my my because of my i mean my experience is that i had a lot of trauma mm. to deal with um because of uh, prior to marriage and I would say to anyone take the time to heal to acknowledge that even if you're really happy to be out out of it because now you you feel free and it was bad it was a horrible experience for you Mm. grieve grieve that you know acknowledge that um that you know you're sad about that ending not about that relationship but the fact that your marriage is has ended you know you're sad mm. that that has been the end mm. although you might be happy to be out of a horrible situation and give yourself time there is no rush i know that's easy to say some people didn't have children and they want children and all of that kind of stuff so there's mm. lots of layers but take the time to look into yourself get counseling get the help you need for yourself replenish your stocks take care of yourself and discover yourself as a human being so that when you kind of venture out into the into the world of relationships or whatever you know a bit more about who you are a bit more about uh, establishing your boundaries establishing what what do you actually want um mm. in in a in a partner if you want to get married again i don't think there should be a rush i think it should be you should take your time you should take your time to really enjoy life um, and know what you're looking for and know what you know your boundaries from the get-go know what is an absolute no and I'm not talking about like a big list or anything but you know have your you know your things that you would you don't want you don't accept you won't accept and so and um, 
Yeah, man, loving. I know because it sounds so cliche, Max. I love yourself because you hear everything all the time. But it's yeah. really important. It's really important to to love your own company. Mm. Do you love your own company, mm. Mm. or do you constantly? If you're on your own, do you just you want to be with people all the time? That's a that's a, something you have to look at. Mm. If you cannot be in your own company, and this is not me saying you have to be a hermit, but if you can't enjoy your own company, you need to take a look at that. Right. You right. really do. I mean, and some people take energy from people and I get that. You could be extroverted and that's where you gain your energy. But, you know, get a good friend's network, you know, have some, establish some, your good relationships, see what those are, the, mm. the relationships that give you life, that honour who you are, that allow you to kind of grow and um, get good perspective, honest feedback. Mm. Mm. You know, I have them friends that tell you, nah, nah, you're dropping off. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, really honest, good friends, not those surface things. You can have surface people to go and have a dinner with if you want, but have really good, solid yeah. relationships, especially yeah. if your your outside friendships were eroded while you're married. I think taking time to establish that is really healthy mm. and it's OK to want to be married again. But give yourself time. Give yourself time to grieve and put yeah. it to rest. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely a really and be not. Don't be condemned. Don't let nobody condemn you. Mm. Mm. Don't let anybody condemn you and take time to forgive yourself. Mm. Sorry, I'm just thinking about all these different things yeah, I had yeah, to it's do. It's really good. You know? no, yeah, yeah. Forgive yourself because you feel like a failure, you know, mm. when you're married you feel like you failed and mm. that takes some forgiveness. And, and the Holy Spirit is wonderful. God is so good. Mm. He just pours that love on you. He's not holding you up. He's, you're not condemned by him. Mm. You're not condemned by him. So mm. forgive yourself and and hopefully you can enjoy life and meet somebody that really loves you and you can love mm. them and you can do things differently. Mm -hmm. Take note of what you did that you would change. Yes, that's a good You one. know, even if you were wronged, there are aspects of things that you would, you would probably do differently. Take note of that. Yeah. Wow. This has been so rich, so full of wisdom, so insightful. I'm... I feel like we could go on, but I'm also conscious yeah. of the time. But I, I think <laughs> we, the time. We, yeah, yeah. we've really um, offloaded quite a wealth of insight, which I'm hoping and trusting that our listeners will be um, blessed by, will benefit from, and yeah. will be sharing with other people who may find this um, discussion useful as well. Because again, yeah. as I said at the start, these are topics that we don't really talk about in church. And I think there's a wealth of insight in, in yeah. what you've shared with us today, Tracy. So thank you so much for sharing. For thank you. Parent, you know, for sharing your story <laughs> and your testimony as well thanks a lot thank you it was a pleasure I you've been listening to the church on box podcast with me sarah tabo if you'd like to share your thoughts on today's program please visit the church on box facebook group i'd love to hear from you and if you'd like to hear more about what i think about today's topic go and sign up for our email list at www.churchonbox.net and we'll be in touch